Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Subi and You podcast. I have Rian and Gelsomino on the podcast again. This is her third appearance, and I am very, very thankful that she took the time to come on the podcast and talk about her experiences in co-driving for Leah Block. We also get into talking about Ken some and just and also like driving or co-driving for Leah and hearing some of the things that Leah has have had to overcome. Not anything like super crazy, but it makes me respect her abilities to drive a car that fast and also the type of car that she's driving, but also having such a great co-driver and being at such a young age at only 16. So that's all I'm going to say. You're going to have to listen to the episode and our conversation to hear the rest. But thank you so much, Rihanna, for being a guest and coming on the podcast again. I really, really appreciate it. And I know the listeners do too. So thank you. I know today is a holiday, so I don't know how many people are actually listening today, but that's okay. It's always going to come out on a Monday, regardless if it's a holiday or whatever. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday on your way to work, or if you are listening to it today, I hope you are having a great Memorial Day and I hope you are having a great weekend. I ended up taking Friday off. It was my floating holiday and decided to drive up to Kelly's house on Thursday night and spend Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and I'm not going back until tomorrow on Tuesday, going back home. So it's been a really good weekend for me. Well, as I'm recording this before I even get to the weekend, but I know it's going to be a good weekend. So I hope you all had a great one. I will have my standard sponsorship ads coming up soon, which I know some people don't always like to listen to those. Maybe they skip through them. And that's okay. I do that on other podcasts as well. But you know who they are and uh, they have some good stuff to offer. But I was listening to a podcast on Friday and it's a podcast that I really like, but it's kind of more of a it's an actor that's doing it and so it's a little more he's got a bigger budget and I'm sure making a lot more money and he's got some really good guests but it started off with three ads from the very beginning and not even ads that he was reading it was starting off with like pre-recorded commercial ads and I thought that's just like that's very off-putting for something that you want to listen to and I'm thankful that I'm not so big that I'm buying into corporate ads or anything because I would never want my podcast to be that way. I would never want to have pre-recorded sponsorship ads from some corporation. I just won't let that happen, except for Jen. But she's part of the community, so that's different. I didn't read that one. But it's, uh, yeah, I was just thinking about that, that um. I also like that I don't have a standard intro that I do. I like to make it different every time and uh, give something different for you to listen to. So speaking of all that. The Subi and You podcast is brought to you by Eccentric Designs. For those of you who don't know, Eccentric Designs is a small community driven business that offers custom fit vinyl overlays for most Subaru models. This includes various designs for the rear reflectors, taillights and side taillights. I also offer fun decal designs like the popular fender stripes and stickers. To find designs for your Subi, head on over to eccentricdesigns.com. There's always more projects in the works, so be sure to follow at eccentric.designs on Instagram. So as many of you know, we have Subi Fest Texas coming up pretty soon. Well, 
in a few months, September 10th, Sunday specifically. But I plan to get Pearl as muddy as I possibly can on the outside. But on the in the engine compartment, I want to actually clean it up. And so that'll be interesting because if I get it muddy, if I get Pearl muddy on the way, I don't know that I'll be able to clean the inside unless I clean it before and it stays clean. But the reason I want to clean up my engine compartment is because of my next sponsor, which is MeleeDesignFirm.com. I have a set of their engine bay caps in there. I also have the front strut tower brace, and I will soon have a Melee battery mount. So go check out MeleeDesignFirm.com. Get yourself a set of engine bay caps or that front tower strut brace or one of their signature battery mounts, which is what they are really known for or what got them started is making battery mounts. So thank you so much, Melee Design Firm, for sponsoring the Subi and You podcast. By getting Pearl as dirty and as muddy on the outside as I possibly can, I know that my Rika Tetons will be very muddy and dirty as well, yet they still look great whether they are clean or dirty. And Rika is committed to providing you with the highest quality specialized wheels and lift kits that will allow you to travel further, experience new adventures, and discover all those extraordinary destinations. Rika wants to make sure that you are ready for anything wherever your adventure takes you. Their flow form process creates both lightweight and durable wheels, which are of the highest quality and are built to satisfy the requirements of all of you adventure enthusiasts. The Rika lift kits raise your Subaru to protect the vehicle's underbody from damage while off-roading. The lift kits were also designed to increase the vehicle ride height in order to accommodate larger tires while maintaining the factory ride quality and alignment. The quest for adventure begins with you, and Rika is what gets you there. And you can go to the Rika website and use the code SUBIU10 to get 10% off a set of Rika wheels or a lift kit. Thank you so much, Rika VS, for sponsoring the Subi and You podcast. Before we get started with this episode, I want to apologize for the mishap last Monday. That was totally a user error. I did not check the file in GarageBand completely. I did a little adjustment to one of the tracks, and I accidentally had all of the tracks after that selected, and I was trying to trim something out, and it trimmed them all, and that's why the gaps were in there. And then there was all that extra space because I had some extra conversation in there that I was supposed to take out and I didn't. So sorry about the mishap, but now we're all good and we're ready to go this week. So thank you all for being so awesome, for being patient and for being understanding. You're all great and I love you all. Much Subi love. And now let's get into this conversation with Rhiannon to hear about her rally season so far, co-driving for Leah Block and a great conversation that comes with it. So here we go. Let's do this. I am sitting across the screen from Rian and Gelsomino again, who is blessed us with her presence on the podcast for a third time. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come back on the Subi and You podcast. 
No problem. Thanks for having me on. I always enjoy coming on and talking about Subarus and on all those fun things that we chat about. Yeah, no, I, I really I really like it. And I know the, the listeners enjoy hearing the conversations. And But I want to start off saying congrats on some really good weekends with some some races. So I guess, can you just do like a quick recap of the past season so far? Yeah, it's been an interesting season, obviously, um, at the start of the year. I'd made a deal with the Block family to be sitting with Leah Block for the season, only 16 years old, and obviously moving into a Subaru BRZ this year from the Ford Fiesta she was in last year, the little R2, so a front-wheel drive moving into a rear-wheel drive. So um, that deal, once Travis Pastrana decided that he wasn't racing this year and taking the year off, that opportunity arose for me. So pretty exciting. Obviously, the rallying was meant to start at Snowdrift, but unfortunately, with the passing of Ken at the start of January, things, you know, changed and we weren't sure what was going to be happening for the year. So we missed Snowdrift and then Lucy and Leah decided that they were ready to get back into rallying. So for Leah and I, that meant we were dropping Snowdrift straight away and not going to that event. But so that meant we were on our back feet already not knowing, you know, what was going to happen the rest of the season because now that instead of having eight rallies to try and get our points to win the championship, we were down to seven rallies. So off to 100 Acrewood we went, our first rally together. We'd done some training together. She's done some Oz Rally Pro training and I've known Leah since she was five years old. So there was no problems as far as knowing each other and, and knowing, you know, that, that she knew about um, pace notes and things like that. But obviously, it was a new team and new cast. So we went to 100 Acrewood and we had a lot of learning to do. Leah had changed to a 1 to 10 pace note system just around New England Forest Rally time last year. My brother, Brendan Reeves, had come over and did training with her. And, and she was a 1 to t- 6 system. And Brendo showed her he's 1 to 10 system. And Leah thought it was great. So she changed to that system. But she her numbers, she didn't have exactly marked correctly on her steering wheel when she was doing her recce. So... I had to work with her on on getting that sorted and making sure they were more accurate and, yeah, mainly working on progressing her pace notes and things like that. So first rally we did some testing and all, all went great and we worked on notes and everything and, and it was a great learning experience for us both and we come away from that event in uh, second in class. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, really, really great start to the season. That had been her best result she'd ever had in two-wheel drive, so that was pretty exciting. It was obviously very emotional for us all because it wasn't that much time after the passing of Ken. So Leah and I on the final transit, we were very excited. There was many tears and there was lots of jumping and hugging and screaming and all those crazy things. So to get second points in our uh, in the class in two-wheel drive in our first ever rally together was pretty amazing. And then the next rally, we went off to Olympus. Olympus is always wet. Lots of fog and all those fun <laughs> fun things that you deal with. So Olympus Rally was some a rally that I've won before with Travis in 2021, so I knew the event well. Many of the stages I had run previously, but many of them to Leah are still new. She's obviously so new in her career. So there wasn't a huge amount of homework we could do because she didn't have many of her own onboards because she's still so new. So it was more about homework we could do from recce videos that I had from previous years that Travis gave us permission to be able to use so we could watch them leading up to the event and and she could get familiar with the stages she was going to be racing so that rally 
was extremely wet. We went into the final stage of the first day with a good lead. And unfortunately, we went into the stage and it was dark and it was a lot of fog. Uh, Leah had never dealt with any of that before and we lost a lot of time. So we dropped from, I think it was first to third or something. So going into the final day, we had a challenge on our hands. But the great thing was that Leah and I just worked really hard. We never lost our focus. Uh, we, we caught a car for eight miles. Whoa, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Eight miles. That's never, never happened in my career. We kept pushing, push to pass on Rally Safe, but unfortunately they didn't see it. So we just had to deal with that. And um, we kept clawing away all throughout the day, and we actually got to the front of the class again, and, and we won two-wheel drive class. That is so cool. Leah's first ever win. It was an amazing feeling. I was so proud of her to deal with all the challenges that we faced. We also had a recce speeding fine, so she learned a lesson with that. That, that first time in my career that had happened. That, so I, so she definitely learned from that lesson. But we went away with full points. We also won the power stage, so that was really cool. So coming into Oregon, which I've just finished this weekend, uh, we knew this car was going to be perfectly matched for these stages at this rally. Uh, Derek Nelson, who owns the car and we're leasing it off, he's had some really good success at the event in this car. So Leah and I were pretty pumped that, you know, we went there truly believing we could win the rally and take full points. So day, uh, day one was at PIR, Port Milland International Raceway. It's a challenging little stage, it's four miles long and, and you do it twice. So uh, we had a few challenges there. We hit the grass and we spun twice. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're calling them donuts instead of spins yeah. because the the crowd was like, donuts, so cool. And we're like, yeah, we did donuts. <laughs> but realistically, we spun twice. So we lost a bit of time there. But then the second pass, we won the stage. So we headed into day one after day one, you know, with, with a little bit of a a lead, uh, we were behind the lead a little bit because of the challenges that we'd face the first night. But we headed out Saturday and it was really hot. We were dealing with some heat issues that would then affect our car, unfortunately. So we were overheating. We got to 284 in one stage. We thought we were going to blow it up. So we backed off for four miles. So there were some challenges there. Uh, but we got to the end of the day and we were 17 seconds off first and six seconds off third, uh, second, I think it was. So the following day, Sunday stages, we knew it was going to be a lot cooler. So overheating shouldn't be an issue. And we knew those stages were perfectly suited to the car. And that's pretty much an understatement because Leah and I set some incredible times, which I still cannot believe, in a Subaru PRZ. And we were second in two stages, only behind Brandon and Samanek in the Subaru Motorsport USA car. One of those stages, which was stage 16, we finished only 2.2 seconds per kilometre off Brandon. And oh. she's 16, 16 years old driving a Subaru BRZ rear-wheel drive car. So I'm still blown away. I'm so proud of what we achieved. And we won our class. We got the power stage points and we were fourth overall. So to say that we achieved our goals at that event is definitely an understatement. And it now mean, means we leave the two-wheel drive championship by 20 points. So definitely an incredible start to the season. And Leah and I just need to keep doing the same and build from that. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't follow Rally as much as I know a lot of people do, but I have been a little bit more lately, especially since I knew I was going to have you on. So I was trying to keep <laughs> up with the standings and everything. But And I've been watching some of the videos on Instagram, and she's really driving that car. I mean, like some of the in, in-car videos and then just videos from spectators and stuff. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome how fast she's driving that and how well she's driving it, too. Yeah, I mean... To go from front wheel drive to rear wheel drive is a really, it's a big challenge, you know what I mean? And uh, when I spoke to Ken about it towards the end of last year, he said it was really important that Leah learned rear wheel drive, front wheel drive and four wheel drive. He was adamant that that was important. And I truly agree with him. I think that that's, you know, to learn all the skills in rally, that's a great, you know, focus to have. So moving from the front wheel drive Ford Fiesta into the rear wheel drive Subaru BRZ was you know, something that can explain to Leah was going to be really important for her career. So to see how she's picked it up so quickly and and is loving the challenge, this car can be a bit of a handful, you know, it's got a lot of power and and to see, you know, how she's handling it has been really exciting and impressive and I think it's making a lot of people open their eyes and realise that she's a very talented young girl. Yeah, and that's crazy that she's only 16 and she's doing this. I, I think I had... Maybe I told my mom or something and they were like, most people are just getting their license at 16 and she's out there driving rally stages and, you know, and it's such incredible speeds and with a great co-driver. It's good that she's having that experience, like you said, especially going from a front wheel drive to a rear wheel drive and then doing that well her first time out. Yeah, and like you say, she's luckily she lives in Utah, and in Utah you get your license at fifteen. So she was able to start rallying very young. Because a lot of people online were like, "Oh, she's only allowed to rally at that age because she's Ken Block's daughter," and and it was like, no, she lives in Utah, and you can get your license at age. So it's been really cool that she was able to do that, and it's not like there's been any leniencies or anything like that she genuinely got her license the normal way that you do and and she was just lucky she lives in a state where that's the way it works so you know like Leah and I was saying the other day sometimes the state you live in can be such an advantage to what you plan to do because obviously for her it's motorsport and it's meant that she's been able to get out and rally a lot earlier than maybe some other people could. Yeah, she's it's very fortunate to that. And I mean, it's I like that you said that it's it's not because she's Kim Block's daughter. It's just that she's fortunate into where she lives. <laughs> and she's obviously working for what she's achieving. You know, it's not like she's just being handed anything. And I mean, to get behind the wheel of a car going that fast on narrow stages for anybody is, I mean, obviously you're into motorsports and you're doing it because you want to do it and you're passionate about it and you are doing it and doing well because you're a good driver and you've got a good co-driver. But like, you know, for me thinking about doing something like that and driving that fast, it's like, that would be so scary to me. But, <laughs> but, you know, you prepare for it, you watch the videos, you go through recce, you practice, you train. And I know that you were watching some of the, the videos that you said Travis had given y'all to kind of prepare. And obviously you're doing like paper homework and video homework and just like, technical homework to prepare for the races but how do you both since you're working together how do you both like mentally prepare other than just the traditional you know researching the stages and all that yeah i think the mental side of rally is you know very important um 
what we do is very dangerous. Um, it's very challenging. It's not like a motorsport where you just go learn a track by either driving it over and over or walking the course or something like that. In rally, obviously, you're relying 100% on each other. I'm relying on Leah listening to my notes and she's relying on me doing the job and calling them precisely with precision, precision and accuracy. So mentally, you need to be able to have yourself in a place where you have full trust in that person that's beside you. Now, when you're 16 years old, you haven't gone through so many life experiences that other people have been through, you know, to learn about trusting people and things like that. So, and even for me, I'm putting my trust in a 16 year old, you know? Uh, So I think that, you know, the mental preparation about, you know, believing in each other and trusting each other and knowing that Leah knows that she has one of the best co-drivers in the world beside her and she can fully trust what I tell her. And I fully believe that even though Leah is only 16, she works so hard, she listens so well that I trust her in ways that I don't trust some other drivers upset with purely because she is so you know enthusiastic and motivated about the sport she's doing that she puts so much into it and maybe more than some of the other drivers that I have worked with throughout my career. So the mental side of it, has actually been something that's been, you know, just coming along very easy for both of us because we, and we've known each other for so long, you know, like I'm like an auntie to her and she's like my niece. That's, that's the crazy part about it. So, you know, I haven't had to deal with some of the things that I have had to deal with mentally with some of the other drivers I've worked with. Some drivers I've got in with, like, I'm feeling like we're nearly crashing every corner and, and in this stage, I'm having to, compose myself and work out how do I deliver these notes in a way that they're listening to me and and that to make sure that we're not going to crash and and all those sort of things whereas if if you have the time to watch the onboard I posted on my social media with Leah it's the stage 16 where we only uh, finish a stage 2.2 seconds a kilometer off brand and and you'll hear that there's so much calmness in my voice and for Leah it's just all calm she's doing her job there's no confusion, there's no hesitation, you know, everything's happening the way it should be. For a team that's only sat together for three races now, and our top speed in that rally was 118 miles per oh hour. Oh, my gosh. Like, to fully commit and believe in each other and trust each other, you know, all these things have to be coming together. And I truly believe that we're both really mentally tough and strong. So, even when, you know, things were going wrong within the rally with the car overheating and losing time and having to slow down and all these sort of things, Leah and I never let that affect us in a way where it could break other teams, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the mental toughness, I think, comes a lot from she's done a lot of sports outside of racing as well, you know what I mean? And and you learn a lot from playing basketball and things like that. You learn a lot of different skills that you 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 know just from doing different sports i was a pe teacher and i know i've learned so much about so many different sports and how you handle different situations and and how you can mentally beat your opponents and things like that even we got to the it was the start start of stage 14 so we finished state we did stage 11 12 13 so three stages together in a block and then we were heading into stage 14 and it was eight miles long now in a rear wheel drive subaru your tires get really worn out. So Leah and I got to the stage, and as soon as we got to the stage, we did a front to rear. So we changed our 
front tires and rear tires. So we jack the car up, both tires come up, she takes one off, I take, and we change them front to rear. We did that on obviously both sides of the car. Other people were standing there going, are you allowed to do that? Of course you're allowed to do it. Leah and I, are, <laughs> we don't have any mechanics there. We're doing this work. But because people don't think of tactics or they don't think of different things that you can do out there, which, which are all part of the sport, when I was doing the world championship with my brother, we were doing front to rears on that little front wheel drive car. We are in all the time. And so were the other juniors that are there trying to win. Leah's 16 years old. We want her to go places. We want to teach her these things. You know what I mean? She needs to learn how to front to rear and do all these things. And it makes her mentally tough. You know, it, it's hot. We're trying to change tires on the side of the road. We've got all these men standing there watching, you know, <laughs> thinking, what are these two girls doing? We did this front to rear on both sides in under five minutes. Nice. And then we go off in the stage and we win that stage, you know. And so those mental things that you then play against your other opponents are really important in the sport, you know what I mean? Because you've got your opponents there looking going, oh, we didn't do a front to rear. Should we have done that? So all these little mental games that also come into the sport and tactics I think are really important. And I think it's cool for Leah to start learning those things. Yeah, and I mean, she has such i mean she's gonna have a long way to go and she has already done so much like you said preparation with other sports and going into this and working with other people but for her at 16 also to be able to drive with you as her co-driver that's like a really big deal you know i mean she's and the fact that y'all have known each other for so long i can totally see how getting into the car you're already comfortable with each other because you know each other on a different level. And now you get to take that relationship that you've built over the years and just translate it into working together inside the car. And so, yeah, that's that's really cool to hear that, you know, just all the things that y'all are doing to make make a successful race. And and obviously you're doing it, you know, because you've, you've finished very strong on all three races so far and you've got some more to go and it's going to be exciting to see how well it goes after that. Yeah, and I think it things sometimes happen for a reason. Like Travis decides to take this year off, and that, that was in September. Little did we know what was going to happen to poor Ken. And in that time where Travis decides to take the year off and Ken decides, hey, Rick, can you jump in with Leah? This would be amazing for her to learn from you. you know. And then Ken's passing. Like It's amazing how everything has happened and I just feel like Leah needs me at this time and and it's all worked out the way it needed to because you know it's been extremely hard on us all losing Ken not only was he Leah's dad but for Alex and I he was one of our best friends especially Alex so to now see that you know I'm in the position I'm in to be able to guide Leah and and mentor her and and train her to me is something that I feel like I've been gifted in a way and, and I have to make sure that I do everything in my power to help that young kid and help her become, you know, you know, use the potential that she has and become, I think, possibly one of the best drivers in the world. Yeah, she's already doing a great job. And it would be interesting to see what the difference would be for her driving an all-wheel drive car. And I'm sure she will at some point, you know, like Ken said, that he wants her to have that experience, which is good. It's good for her to, to do that. So, what has it been like for you being in a rear-wheel drive car coming from an all-wheel drive car? I've actually been pretty lucky in my career that I've done a lot of races in rear-wheel drive cars. So I started off with my brother Nathan who had a Datsun 1600, which was rear-wheel drive. So my first, oh, 
probably five ever rallies was, was in rear-wheel drive. And then I was in a little front-wheel drive for a bit. And then my other brun, brother, Brendan, he has a – it's a Datsun 240Z rear-wheel drive. It's a weapon as well, <laughs> which was rear-wheel drive as well. And I, we would have done – oh, mate, it would be at least, I think, eight rallies or something in that. And then my brother also built a Datsun 1600, which he calls Datzilla. And I did – um <laughs> alpine rally in it with him in 2019 so i've actually done a lot of racing in all like front wheel drive rear wheel drive and four wheel drive so when i got in the car this year even though i'd been with travis the last uh three years in you know the open class subaru with subaru motorsport usa moving into the subaru brz it wasn't like i was like oh man this is really different because i've experienced it so many times before that even if I jump in front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, four wheel drive, whatever it is, I've, because I've experienced in my over 200 rallies, I've experienced all the different types of cars. Any car I get in, whether it's right hand drive, left hand drive, rear wheel drive, front wheel drive, whatever, it, to me, it's just I get in and do my job and I don't really think about it. So I think some people would be holding on because, you know, these cars, <laughs> it, it gets pretty tail happy sometimes. And, and people could get a bit of a fright, like, holy crap, you know. But for me, I, I, I've experienced that with both of my brothers before. And and, it, and it's just been, um, you know, a really cool, fun thing to jump back in, you know, a car like this. And it's got a lot of power and it's a really fun car. And, yeah, you know, Leah's driving it so well that even though I'm not in that open class to Rua Travis, it's, it's still a great thrill and still get your heart rate going and you have lots of fun. Yeah, I mean... That's again, like I said, to be in a car going that fast, whether you're the driver or the co-driver, I mean, you obviously have a lot of experience and you're very good at what you do. And like you said, the trust is there between the two of you, which is great just starting off together with three races. And uh, that's, you know, it's like y'all have come a really long way in a really short period of time. But again, I think it goes back to also knowing each other so well for so long. That definitely has to play into you know, that, that factor of, of being able to build that trust very quickly. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point because we already knew each other personally and we knew each other's personalities. So you're not trying to work out how that's going to, you know, when I first got into Travis in 2020, we'd known each other for years as well, but we hadn't worked in a car together. And he wasn't sure about how my voice would sound, you know, in the stage for him and things like that. So he had a few questions when we first did that first rally together and we won the rally and he's like, yeah, let's go. This is awesome. And then <laughs> 18 rallies later and a championship together and, you know, it was awesome fun. And and whereas I think for Leah, like she didn't need, because she's so new, it's not like she was like, oh, I wonder how your Australian accent will be. I'm not sure how I'll be listening <laughs> to a girl voice. She didn't have those questions because she's only so new. She's had one co-driver. It was American male voice, and it wasn't like she got set in her way, whereas I think Travis was like, I'm not really sure. He's had quite a few different co-drivers, but, like, let's see how the Australian accent will go and those sort of things. And he was perfectly fine. A lot of the Nitro Circus guys are Aussies, so it was an issue. But for Leah, I think that she didn't even think about those things. She was just more like, I can get Rhiannon in the car. like. She won the championship yeah. in 2021. So for her, she was just like, wow, like I can learn and whatever. She never thought about how it would be listening to my tone or my voice. So it, it's quite different, the two scenarios between, you know, Travis and Leah. And even my brother, Brennan, like I've done 
over 80 races with him and he now in Australia has a female in the car and I think it's because he got so used to the female voice that he really likes the tones of a female voice. So it's it's an always an interesting thing to think about when people are rallying. Like when you are getting into the sport and if you're interested in getting into it, thinking about how you want to hear the notes. You know, some people say if they're American, they like to have someone with an accent because they hear Americans every day. So it doesn't really like make them go, hey, listen, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's whereas a good they point. Hear, yeah, so, whereas they don't hear a little Australian voice every day. So if they have me in the car, maybe they'll listen better because I'm just not talking like what they hear every day of their life. So it's always interesting to think about these things. Yeah, well, so switching gears a little bit, I was looking at your profile or I was looking at one of your posts and it said, you posted this not too long ago, and you said, to say I love my life is an understatement. So can you elaborate more on that? Like what, what is it that makes you love your life so much? I mean, <laughs> I'm a country girl that grew up in a town in Australia, which was 800 people. We lived out on a farm. I grew up, you know, always wanting to be the best at everything I did. It didn't matter what sport I was playing, what running race I was doing. I always wanted to be the best. So all of a sudden, when I move into the sport of rally with my brothers and I, we start doing really well and you start achieving these like mini goals that you have, like, you know what I mean? Like I want to get through the race without being sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, oh, I don't get sick anymore. I, I, want, I want to do this or that. So, you know, you set all these goals along the way and, and when you get to the point where you start setting goals like I want to be national champion and then you become national champion. And then, you know, I, I'm 42 years old. I still want to be world rally champion. Whether I can achieve that, in my mind, I don't tell myself I can't. I believe that I can. So to say I love my life, I am actually living my dreams. You know, I'm, I'm living everything I dreamt of once I got into this sport and truly believed that I could do. So I love my life in the fact that Alex 100% supports everything I do because he loves it as much as I do. My family supports what I do. I live in America away from my family in Australia. I don't have one family member here to chase my dreams and my goals. And my family have never held that against me. They're so proud of my mum made a beautiful post earlier saying how proud she is of me. So, you know, I haven't had children. So many family members could be like, why aren't you having kids? You should be doing these things. So I, I've been able to live my life and, and chase my goals and my dreams because of the support that I've always had around me. and. You know, when I say that I love my life, I truly do. And and my life is everything I want it to be, except for I'm not in a WRC at the moment. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but not yet. I, I never, yeah, I don't. I never give up on that. You know, I've been there with my brother in the juniors, and and I've done um, some in the R5. I think I've done around if you count the Australian rounds, which I don't think they say WRC on them because I was also doing the Australian Rally Championship. I've done something like 22 world rallies or something like that, but it's always like, I love what I'm doing here. And I, and, but I always know that there's always this big goal for me of, you know, I don't see 42 as old. I know John Kennard from New Zealand won his first rally world rally championship at 58. I'm, oh. I've got 16, 16 years to like it to 58. So <laughs> yeah. I've got plenty of time. So, so definitely love my life and living my dreams. Yeah, so I guess going back to the the driving and everything, what has surprised you most about Leah's driving abilities and her driving style? 
I mean, as many of the listeners will know, Leah was driving so many cool things from a young age. Ken was allowing her to drive, you know, uh, the the Huna truck, or I can't even remember what it's called when she was doing the drag racing in in um, Hoonigan versus the world or whatever it was. Um, no, she was in the Mustang, I think. Anyway, so she was always, you know, even from 13 years old or whatever it was, she was in cool cars and driving things with lots of power. So I knew that she would be very talented because she was given access to so many cool things from a young age. Rally is such a different sport. You know, it's very dangerous. We have cliffs, we have trees, we have all these, you know, rain, snow, hail, whatever, all these things going on. So I was never, I never doubted what her car control would be like, but I wasn't sure about how she would go when, you know, we're racing through forests and cliffs and you have to be brave and you have to be committed. Yeah. And she's 16 and, and that's a really big challenge. And she is brave and she's committed. So the driving obviously was there. It was just the other things that are part of rally that we weren't sure how they would go. And and she's definitely, you know, exceeded expectations that I had. And, and her driving skills are phenomenal already at 16 and they're only going to get better. She's had good coaching from my brother last year and make tennis at Dirtfish and things like that. And and those skills are only going to progress with, you know, more coaching and more training and and developing into different cars, R5s, all those sort of things. So the skill and talent is definitely uh, something that I knew would be there. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to it's and it's I'm sure it's really nice for you as a co-driver to see her come up and get behind the wheel of the car and just perform so well out there on the stages and and just continue to build that trust and connection between the two of you as driver and co-driver so but when when y'all are driving and you have your pace notes do y'all have any funny pace notes like you do with travis like sumpa (laughs) Uh yeah travis and his funny pace notes it's it's so funny the interesting part is leah had alex and i train her in pace notes before she started rallying so most of the things leah uses are either notes that Alex and I taught her notes that she learned from her dad from watching on boards from her dad or notes she learned from my brother from when he trained her. So I got in that car and all the notes she was using were very common to me because as a young kid, I think we trained her when she had just turned 15. So she turned 15 and the day after we trained her. So she had her license to be able to drive and do recce training. So we went out and she obviously already had a great idea from her dad's notes what what she wanted to do. He was a one to six system and Leah started as a one to six system, but she was adamant that she wanted to hear the number first rather than the direction, which was fantastic because number dictates our speed. So if she's hearing the number first, she straight away knows what speed she needs to attack the corner, regardless if it's a right or left. So I was really happy that that's the route she went down. And then she did, you know, lessons with her dad, lessons with Alex and I, lessons with my brother. She's now progressed to a one to 10 system, which no other driver in America is using. So that's a pretty cool thing. Luckily, I've done it for years with my brother, so I understand it. But other than that, she's using pretty normal everyday notes that I usually see. She hasn't got any strange ones like like Travis <laughs> likes to use. Yeah. So what's the difference between the one to six and the one to 10? Yeah, good question. So that's the angle degree of the corners. So when you use a one to six system, you've obviously got 
six is going to be your fastest, so it's virtually flat out six gear, and one will be like a hairpin. And then in between those numbers, you'd have a, a one plus, a two minus, a two plus, a three minus, a three. So you have the one to six plus pluses and minuses, and you may use some descriptive words. So you, in Travis's system, you might say max right, max left. You might hear a square right, square left, and hairpin right, hairpin left. So it's one to six, but then you've got three descriptors you might use. Okay. When Leah trained with my brother, my brother was using a one to 10 system, and she was really interested in the fact that with a one to 10 system, she felt like it gave her more gradients to work with in her, in her numbers. So in a one to six system, sometimes there's some like gray areas between a three plus and a five, like, you know, differentiating the difference in those systems and, and knowing how fast you should push. So when Brendo showed Leah a one to six, she, a one to 10, she liked the fact that with a one to 10, she had more numbers to work with. So when she got into those gray areas, you had actual numbers for those, you know, so you, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and she uses plus and minus. So we're talking about, I don't know, 30 different things you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that you're dealing with. Now, this is a complicated system. And to do this system, you can't just drive it by feel. So you can't go out on reconnaissance and, and turn the steering wheel and call it a 3 and that's a 6 and that's a 5 and whatever. In a 1 to 6 system, you can. In a 1 to 10 system, you need to mark up the steering wheel with tape and have all the numbers on the steering wheel, so 10, 9, 8, 7, and then you have a middle sticker in the, in the middle of the dash, so the middle of the steering wheel. So when she turns the steering wheel, whatever that number lines up with the middle of the dash, that's going to be her degree for the corner. Now, this means it takes a lot of work. So her and I need to go out. We need to mark up the steering wheel. We need to make sure all the numbers are right because every different rental car we use for recce has a different steering rack. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she could take a photo of that, that steering wheel and we're in a RAV4. And then we go to the next rally and we're in a Subaru Outback. And a RAV4 and a Subaru Outback would have a different steering rack. So even though you take a photo and you're like, oh, I'll mark it up exactly the same, it won't be the same because they have it. So it's been a challenge in itself because she doesn't have a set recce car that we just drive to events and, and it's all set up. We get a different car. It could be a Jeep. It could be anything. You know, We get a different car every rally that we're doing recce in. And so that's been a little bit of a challenge as far as a 1 to 10 system. You need to be committed to it, I tell people. If, you, if you're going to go down that route of a 1 to 10 system, you need to be committed because, yes, it gives you a greater variant and, and more numbers to work with, but at the same time, it's a lot more work in making sure that the numbers are going to be accurate in the stages. So when Rhiannon calls you an eight, it's an eight, and you know how you commit to it versus when you drive it and you drive to how you feel and see in a one to six system, you know, you're dealing with two very different factors. So it's interesting. It's definitely working for it. It worked for my brother and people are interested to understand it because it's not common over here. But yeah, I'm proud of her for going out and and saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And my dad was this system and this is my system and I'm Leah Block and this is what I'm going to do. So I'm really... I'm really proud of her for that. Yeah, and she's defining herself as who she's going to be as a motorsports professional and as a driver on these courses. And that's it's just even more impressive now to hear that she is going from a front-wheel drive car to a rear-wheel drive car. And then also the challenges of having different recce cars, like you said, and this different numbering system. 
and then pulling it all together to do as well as y'all both have done on the you know on these courses so far i mean that's just that's just like even more impressive for to see where she's come so far in you know in this season like that's that's really cool yeah and i and you know she's obviously dealing with the loss of her father too so there's so many things going on in this young kid's mind and that's what's really amazing to think that you know she's dealing with a lot of challenges all at once and she's able to handle it as well as she has. So it shows her mental toughness and her ability to be able to be so focused and, and know what she wants in life. And I think that it's really cool for you and your listeners to be able to follow a young American with this talent because we don't see that often over here. You know, the last time that we've seen someone this quick is I don't really know that that has potential to go to the world championship and all those sort of things. So I think it's really cool for your listeners and, and people in America to have a young person to follow. Yeah. Do you see the same or similar drive in her as with Ken? Oh, for sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. She's very similar to her dad, which, you know, is really cool. And she's got so many, for a 16 year old, she says so many mature things that, I can just hear Ken coming out in it. And even her and Lucy the other day, it was so funny. They were discussing a new livery or something. And Lucy's like, no, it's too busy. And Leah's like, I think dad would have liked it. It was so funny. Like, you know, the two of them like sort of working out, like, because they always try to think of how would Ken have thought about this or what would Ken have done? Because he was obviously the leader in their family and he was the one that would come up with ideas and stuff. And it's really important for Lucy and Leah to still honor the legacy that Ken left and and think of what would Ken have wanted and how would he have wanted it done. And even different sponsorships that are starting to come up for her, like, you know, would Ken have wanted her to go down that path? And would he want her to be sponsored by those people? And so it's just, it's interesting to, you know, be involved in all this and, and, and you know, Leah I always talk about her dad. I'm not afraid to. So, you know, we'll yeah. be on a transit and I'll be like, your dad loved that stage and you just killed it in there. Like, and and we get to the start of the stage and we're starting on minute number 43 and her and I just have a little giggle to each other because we're like, yeah, he's riding. Oh, like, yeah. You know, you know, and so many times on the weekend we were starting stages at 43. It was crazy. And like, I, I don't believe in all different types of crazy stuff, but I was like, I truly feel like he's here with us, you know. And Yeah, he's and talking so, to and, you. Yep, I'm sure he's there riding with her and, and I hear him come out in her so often. So it's it's really amazing for me to be part of that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's really nice. It's, it's uh, I mean, it's unfortunate what happened, but there's, to be able to kind of have moments like that, that you can just be excited about and maybe have like, you know, like you said, a little chuckle and, and a smile and probably just like a really warm feeling in your heart knowing like he's here with us, you know? Yeah. So what has been your favorite rally so far? I Oregon is really fast and there's, there's not that many corners compared to some of the other rallies. So it hasn't ever been a rally that I've like been like, yeah, this is such a good rally. But to sit next to Leah on the weekend and be down by 17 seconds and then come back from that challenge and then be setting second outright times and be so fast, those stages, you know, you have to be so brave and you have to have so much trust. And, you know, to see what she was doing at Oregon on the weekend has just made it really enjoyable for me, even though 
prior to doing it this year, it wasn't my favorite rally. So I wouldn't say it's my favorite rally as far as the event character and we have to do a lot of travel and the logistics and all of those sort of things. It's good because it's close to home so I can drive there. But it was more about feelings it gave me and the joy it gave me made Oregon very special this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, it's like I need to follow them a little bit more than I do because coming into this Subaru community and the Subaru world just a little less than three years ago, all of this is still new to me, you know, especially, <laughs> especially rally because I didn't even start learning about rally until, I don't know, I'd had my car for about six months or more. And I just, I didn't really know what it was. I'd kind of heard the terms, but so I'm still learning. And I think that's why it's fun to have you on the podcast and other people that are in rally to just learn more about it. And because I know there are a lot of people that do follow it, so they get excited to see, you know, when you come on the podcast and with other people have come on the podcast that are into rally. But so it's um, still a learning process. And, you know, I'm excited to to learn more about it. But so one of one of my patrons had a question and he said, after being Alex's rival, how have things changed in <laughs> respect to preparation for and during the rally? Yeah, we can actually share things. And like we. We don't have to keep secrets this year, which is really nice. So uh, I've been, you know, Alex has been doing um, certain parts of planning. I've been doing other parts of planning. We're teammates now. So it's pretty cool, to be honest. Um, whereas the last three years, especially, um, we've been direct competitors with Alex sitting with Ken and me sitting with Travis. So that part of it's actually been really nice. And on the, we always stay separate still, even though um, we're in a team together because we need our own desk and we're on different sleeping times and all those sort of things. But on at the Oregon rally, there was a little bit of a mishap with our hotel and Alex and I had to share a room and, I, and we were both like, oh dear, because we haven't done this for years. <laughs> and we know that I'm my character is I want to stay up as late as I need to to get all my work done that night. Whereas Alex is like, I'm tired, I go to bed, I'm going to get up early and finish my work. So I'm like, okay, how is this going to work? <laughs> um, so I'm sitting at the desk with the little lamp on while he's sleeping and then I went to bed like at whatever crazy time I went to bed and and it was fine. And then he gets up with the little lamp at 4 a.m. or whatever he gets up. So it, it was interesting because usually we don't have to deal with that. But it was fine. We made it work and and it didn't matter because we're teammates. So it's not like we were affecting each other's performance against each other. Whereas other years that would that would have been a big problem. So it's actually been really nice um, to be able to, you know, see each other more at races and be able to help each other out and plan for events and things like that. So we're really enjoying it. And I think Lucy and Leah are enjoying the fact that they've got Alex and an I and our knowledge to learn from and develop. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. I was just sitting there thinking. I was picturing all of that as you were explaining it, like you sitting at the desk and him sleeping, and then switching roles like that. Like, and then like, are you being quiet? Or are you making noise? You know, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, be quiet over there! I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I was turning the pages on my notes very quietly when I was when I was reviewing the video. That's for sure. So, but uh, we both don't get much sleep at rallies anyway. So it's not like it was. Uh, changing things too much for us we both were probably running on four hours sleep or something as you usually do at races so no it's really cool and it's just nice to be able to have a year like this and who knows what next year will be but it's just nice to be able to enjoy this year like we are yeah and yeah and then you still got some more races to go and some more of the season so you get to enjoy it even more 
Yeah, and I'm doing some rounds of the Australian Rally Championship as well, which has been nice. I did the first round in Tasmania back in March, and then I'm doing another round with the same driver in July and then November as well. So he's only 21, so another young driver that I'm mentoring and coaching. My brother's doing the driver coaching with him, and uh, the other three rounds of the Australian Rally Championship clash with Leah's rallies over here, so he has another co-driver for those rounds. But it's been nice to be able to mentor and coach him as well. So it's definitely a different year for me this year, going from working with Travis and where he's at in his career and now working with some younger drivers and, you know, taking my knowledge and expertise, especially from Oz Rally Pro, our training company. You know, I'm used to training people and doing that sort of work. So it's, it's a nice challenge and a nice change to have something different this year. Yeah, so my, my patron, his name's Michael. He goes by Audiophile. His other question was, which do you prefer, co-driving for an established driver like Travis or teaching and guiding new drivers like Leah? And is it Gan- Gandewa Dalbo? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I can't, Gandhi, I call him. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, I love winning, you know, and I want to win and I want to win championships and I want to be the best. But at the same time, I get a great joy out of making people better and seeing them progress and seeing their times become faster and things like that. So, you know, I enjoy the challenge of working with Travis and, and try, you know, us trying to win rallies. And I enjoy the challenge of working with younger drivers and progressing them. Sometimes when I'm in that middle position where I'm like, I don't feel like I'm, you know, getting much out of this, that's when I struggle. When I'm like, I'm not winning races. This person isn't really listening or learning from me. That's when I don't enjoy it as much. But either way, you know, winning rallies with Travis or working with younger drivers like Leah and Gandhi and and progressing them and helping them, you know, get faster. Like Gandhi improved his pace incredibly at Tasmania. And after I did the post-event, you know, debrief with him, I was so proud of how much he, he improved his speed. So seeing that and doing the debrief and looking at those times was a great feeling for me. So I enjoy both because both of them give me a challenge and both of them are about what I love in the sport. The only thing I don't enjoy, like I explained before, is when I feel like I'm that middle person and I don't really know where I'm at. Yeah, because you already established early on that you have to be the best at everything and you want to win. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting because someone wrote on social media the other day something about oh it's all right for you Rihanna and you're always at the front and it made me laugh because I'm like people forget that like I've been in this sport for 18 or 19 years and I started where they started you know and but I worked my ass off as I say to get where I got so I feel like there's a lot of people that can be quite jealous And sometimes that makes me sad because I think that, well, you can be in that position too if you worked hard. So winning, yes, is what I want to be achieving. But at the same time, I get so much out of the sport in general in giving back and on all those sort of things. Yeah. And whether you are doing the sport or not, or you're just a spectator or whatever, it's just, it's so much better and it's almost easier and it's to just support somebody and be happy for them, you know, be happy for their achievement, achievements, be happy for their accomplishments. And, you know, because it's like jealousy is, is not a good thing. And that's, you know, it's not good for your soul. It's not good for just for your heart. I mean, to be happy and support somebody else, that's like, that's, you know, sometimes that can take a lot because you do see other people 
having all these accomplishments in life and doing all these great things. And maybe you're in a situation where you're not, you know, and it's not, you can't really say, oh, well, they're just fortunate and they're lucky. It's like you said, you know, you worked for it. You worked very hard for it. And a lot of people that are successful and that are good at what they do, it's because they did work hard. It's not because it just came to them. I mean, there are people that you happen to live in a good area like Utah and you can get your license at 15, you know, so there are some fortunate things that can come about, but it's not like she created that situation. I mean, like for me, for example, I live in Houston and it's Mm -hmm. flat and the land in Texas is mostly all private. And a lot of the people that I follow are in Oregon and Washington, you know, and Utah and Colorado and California, where there's a lot of trails. I was I, have, I was recording with somebody last night who was saying that there are so many trails out where she's at in Washington. She's like, I just haven't explored them all. There's so many. And I could be like, and, I, and it, does, it does get depressing for me at times, not because I'm like jealous of them, but it's just like, I want to be able to be, to have that and be able to go on trails and stuff. But at the same time, like I'm it makes me really excited to see what all the other people are doing. And I have a platform where I get to share those stories and those experiences that people have. And so I'm thankful for the podcast, too, because, you know, living in Houston, there's not a whole lot else. So I think the podcast is a really great, great way for me to, like, live vicariously through other people. And then. You know, I get to contribute to the community by doing this and and sharing people's stories and having the people that listen hear those stories. And I feel like I feel fortunate that I'm able to get you on the podcast, you know, so it's uh, it's just it's really great, though, that when you can support what somebody else is doing and be happy for them. Yeah, I truly believe that and agree with what you just said. And I think that, you know, if you can look at life that way, you'll definitely get a lot more out of it. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, this was something that I had asked, you know, earlier, if you're comfortable, but how has the passing of Ken impacted your life and how has it impacted the motorsports world? Yeah, I mean, I think that everyone saw, you know, the amount of people that reached out uh, when Ken passed away from so many different manufacturers all over the world and high profile athletes. Ken impacted so many people in so many ways that I don't think we even realized until he was gone the impact that he'd had on the motoring community worldwide, not only rally, but through his gymkhanas and all the other cool things that Ken, you know, come up with. He obviously was clever and started DC all those years ago and, and made an incredible company, which he sold and it allowed him to then go and live his dreams of motorsport. And and my husband and Alex was was you know so lucky to work with Ken for eighteen years, and it was his best mate, and and they got to experience so many incredible things together, you know, traveling the world and racing all over the world, and and I got to be part of that so many times too, because obviously Alex was my husband, and he was sitting with Ken, and my brother and I were gravel crew for Alex and Ken in WRC Spain. We were teammates with them in the American Championship in 2013 when we were both in Fords. And so I, I, he he was such an important person to Alex and myself and my brother as well. So when we lost him at the start of January, it, it was a really hard time for all of us. But at the same time, we knew that the biggest concern right now was Lucy and the kids. You know, he, he's few, three beautiful kids that all of a sudden had their father taken away from them who was so important in their lives and so influential to them. So luckily we live in 
Idaho. So it was a six hour drive. As soon as we got the call, we jumped in our car and got there and we're with Lucy and the kids as long as we needed to be in the first month. We were there three weeks out of the month, just staying with them and, and being with them and enjoying whatever needed to be done. And, and I think it was important for Alex and I and Lucy and the kids to have that support of each other and, and, you know, work our ways of how we would all move forward in, you know, continuing to live the life Ken would have wanted and, and follow on in the legacy that he created, which was incredible to all of us and, and gave Alex especially so many opportunities in his life that he maybe thought he would never have got. So huge loss to us all. We're still struggling. You know, you'll just be thinking of something or doing something and Alex and I'll start crying and we say, isn't this crazy that this impact that he had on us that just the littlest thing can trigger something you know what I mean and and I feel like a lot of the fans are feeling that too like they maybe never had even met him but he he impacted them in so many ways with that first Jim Carner he did in the Subaru that I think the budget was five thousand dollars and it was just (laughs) incredible ripping that car around and and Alex and I found ourselves going back through and watching all the Jim Carners and reliving so many great memories the Amazon series that they did and all these different things that you know, I, I think one really cool thing for his kids is they can get on YouTube or whatever and, and watch interviews and see their dad, and which a lot of kids, if their father passed away, they wouldn't have that. So it is really cool that there's so many photos and videos of Ken to remember him by and look back and cherish all the amazing things he did in the, the motoring industry. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. that yeah, even though they have lost him, they still can have him with them. Everybody can have him with them. You know, you can just go hop on a video. I was, after I, I again, not knowing a whole lot about motorsports and, you know, and not following rally and stuff, I didn't learn about Ken Block until I bought my Subaru because I just, you know, I started learning and getting into this world and getting connected with people and like, oh yeah, there's this person who's like really big in motorsports and then there's that person. So, you know, I it wasn't like I was a big fan of, Kins, I mean, like, because I haven't really followed anybody's career for for anything, but you know, I went and started watching the Jim Connor files on Amazon after, I, and I had already yeah. started watching them before, and then afterwards I started watching them, you know, even more. And so, it's yeah, you can hop on any kind of social media and still have that feeling or that memory or something just to hear his voice, just to see him again. And yeah, a lot of people wouldn't have that. No, and I think that's definitely been special for us, even watching an onboard, you know, and, and hearing Alex call the notes to him and him driving flat out. It's so special, you know, and, and we use the onboards at our Australia pre trainings. And so uh, our first one where that happened was in March. And, you know, it was hard because obviously we had a class of 12 students sitting there learning. But at the same time, we still wanted to honor Ken and show his skill and talent. And, talk about things he was doing in the stage that we could then teach to those students you know so it's so nice that we can still honor him in so many ways and this week coming we have an Australia pro training at Dirtfish and it's 12 co-drivers and one of them is his 14 year old daughter Kira Block oh nice she wants to do co-driver training she wants to be a co-driver she's been learning from Alex and I and then she saw us posting about this class and pleaded with Lucy that could she come so she's 
for the first, she's flying to Seattle. She's a, a minor, so I have to meet her at the gate and sign for her. And then <laughs> um, and Alex and I will look after her all weekend and, and train her uh, with the other 11 students. And then we have to take her to the airport, walk her to the gate, sign her on, get her on the plane. And so she is beyond excited. So it's really cool that, you know, we're also able to help these younger kids, even though Lee is, you know, the one that everyone's seeing. You know, Kira and Mike are also really excited and invested in the sport as well. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then having somebody who was a, you know, a legend and leaving behind a legacy to learn from, and then all the people that are, were a part of his life, like you and Alex and just all the other people in motorsports, they have a lot of people to look up to and a lot of mentors and, you know, a lot of resources out there for, for them to get up and grow up into the motorsports world and get involved in it themselves. So that's really cool to to see that. Yeah, I can't wait. She's pretty pumped. She keeps texting me each day. The <laughs> other day she was she was naughty though and had her phone taken off her. And I'm like, why isn't she replying to my question? Five days later, sorry, Re, I had my phone taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you forget you forget how young they are. You know what I mean? They're kids. They're kids. Yeah. So um, I'm just excited that they've lost their dad and it's been really hard. But Rally has been able to bring those kids so much joy. All three of them. And, you know, little Micah, he comes to the races and he's working on a corner of the car and, and Kira's been doing uh, assistant team manager with Derek. It's been incredible to see that the power that Rally has had in, in, in making that family happy. And, and it's such a joy to me because Rally is my life and to see what it's been able to do for the Block family is just amazing. Yeah. And it's good for, it's good to have something like that in your life to also, you know, take your focus off of a tragedy like losing your dad. You know, you have this this great, powerful source out there, you know, and all these wonderful people that are also involved in it. And like you said, all this support and you can be there for them and they can, you know, just concentrate on and, and also just something that their dad was a part of, too, you know, because it could have been something else. You know, they could have been involved in something else that he wasn't involved in, and they get to continue on and just grow into the sport that their dad was into. And so that's that's really nice also. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm just so excited to be part of it. So is there is there anything that people may not have known about Ken? Oh, I, I always think it's interesting that because, obviously, in his videos and everything, it, he was loud and boisterous. People assume that Ken was like a very social person, you know, but in reality, him and Alex are both very quiet people. And so in the car together, they worked really well because of the fact that they both just went about their job and their business and they, you know, didn't need to be, you know, being loud or boisterous or anything like that. So it's interesting because a lot of people think of him being, you know, this showman, which he was in a lot of his videos like he needed to be. but. The real personality of Ken was far more quiet and, and enjoyed to be home and quiet times versus, you know, out being loud and partying and all those things. <laughs> Definitely a very different character to Travis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, I guess when you're in that kind of position, there's a little bit of showmanship that kind of will come out when you're in front of the camera and, you know, you're a, a big icon like that. So, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. But yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, there are there are some of those people that you hear about. It's like, no, they're actually really quiet when you know they're not out doing this other thing. Yeah, that definitely can very quiet. Normal everyday home life, he was very quiet. Travis, on the other hand, 
he's always full on loud boisterous. <laughs> Seems like Travis is always go, 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 go. Ken was very go, go, go too, but he just didn't have that um, full on like personality like Trav has. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Ken Block, what is Blockhouse Racing? Yeah, so when Ken passed away, um, Lucy and the kids wanted to make sure that they followed on. They ca- were coming up with lots of different names uh, when we were brainstorming, and I think Block Motorsport was already taken or something like that anyway. Uh, Lucy um, and the kids decided to come up with uh, Blockhouse Racing, and that's their team. So that's Lucy, Leah, Kieran, Micah, and whether they're doing karting or rally or whatever different motorsport they're doing. So that's their new team name, and I think it's really cool. And they've now got T-shirts and things like that, which people can get at events. At the event at Oregon Olympus, they had you know the table set up, and it's actually part of the 43i Institute as well. So how it would work is you would come and if you purchase one of the T-shirts, they're $43, so you get T-shirt and stickers. That $43 goes to the 43i Institute, which is then raising money to then come back and help support rally. So Lucy and the kids give an awesome award to a driver and a co-driver at each rally, which is $1,430 each to the person who wins the Flat Out Award, who is someone who showed Ken's characteristics and stuff in the rally. So they've awarded that for all three events this year so far. It's incredible. And and Lucy and the kids are coming up some, with some really cool ideas, which Ken would be extremely proud of with, you know, Blockhouse Racing and 43i Institute and things like that. Yeah, because I was just curious about that. And so the Institute goes back and gives back into the rally community. Yeah, 100%. They're, they've already been giving back, like I mentioned before. So people of a driver and co-driver, it's nearly $3,000. It's unheard of in our sport to be winning prizes like this. And and it's been incredible, to be honest. So those people who have won those awards have, have definitely feel like they'll benefit from it. So it's all about, you know, giving people opportunities, helping people out where you can. So donating to the Institute is something really important to help progress the sport. So how can people go about doing that? The best way to do it is to, if you can, follow Blockhouse Racing and 43 Institute. And because they're going to be posting directly about activities they're doing, ways to fundraise and things like that. So definitely head to those Instagrams and, and Facebook pages and give them a follow because they're the pages that are being led by Lucy and the family and the kids and and in their ideas in how they can progress the sport, help others get into the sport and things like that. So that's the best way to follow. And, yeah, Alex and I will definitely be posting about things that come up and in our stories or on our posts in, on Instagram and Facebook as well. Okay. And uh, so my friend had another question. <laughs> he said, speaking of blockhouse racing, who has the better food at the rally events, blockhouse racing or Vermont sports car? Well, this year we've definitely cut back on budget. So I've, it used to definitely be um, Ken's team had a very good catering. And so we de- definitely were both very spoiled. But if anyone saw a post that Alex made, we were at getting hamburgers on the other day at a little set stand that was set up. So we're definitely more of a grassroots team this year, which is fine. There's def, uh, a big change in sponsorship. Obviously, we can go on and things like that. So on the weekend, even Derek was one of our mechanics and he's been, uh, you know, 
Ken's team manager for many, many years, but he was in the overalls and he was working on our cars. So catering this year is us going and finding food where we can. So the catering is definitely different from what it used to be, but that's fine. It doesn't bother us. We're out rallying and and going back to grassroots is, is not a problem. Yeah, and you're, I mean, you're out there doing what you love, period. So that's really the, the whole point of it. Exactly. That's, that's good. Do you, in the, yeah, I also asked, do you have more miles and or hours in a rally car or in an airplane? <laughs> it's probably an airplane, to be honest. Like I'm over a million miler with Delta. And that's, I didn't start with Delta until 2015. So I've done a million miles with them since 2015. So I'd hate to think I started traveling internationally for rally in 2008. So I think I've definitely done more in a plane. I'd hate to think the miles I'd be up to now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I just, I thought that was a funny question. (laughs) So how has Oz Rally Pro been doing the past year and a half? And have you made any changes to your teaching style? Uh, as far as like what you teach or how you approach the business side of it? Yeah, so obviously I was probably approved during the pandemic and when 2020 come, you know, we had people coming to our house, people come and train and and when everything happened, when virtually the world shut down, uh, we had to change the way we did things. So we started doing Zoom calls and, and some remote stuff and things like that. As soon as it opened up again, Dirtfish obviously got us coming there and Dirtfish was really excited to have a link with Oz Rally Pro where we would come and run trainings at their facility. So so the last three years we've been doing a lot of work with Dirtfish, a lot of classes, which we never did before the pandemic hit. But now we've just come back to also offering classes back here in Idaho, which are one-on-one trainings. We have incredible roads around here. We live out in the mountains uh, north of Boise. And there's some beautiful gravel roads that are perfect for recce training when we're teaching pace notes. So now we we, we have a co-driver class this week coming at Dirtfish, which is 12 students. We're still doing those, of course, but our main focus has gone back to one-on-one trainings in, in Idaho where people fly in here. We've got a little cottage Airbnb, which Alex and I finished renovating just recently. It's been hours and hours of work, but our first students stayed last weekend. They loved it. They had an amazing time. They did a two-day training. And everything went amazing. So our new class is definitely really cool. We've got a few bookings coming up and people will be staying at the cottage, doing the training, enjoying these amazing roads around Idaho, getting to see the incredible scenery, which a lot of people think it's just potato farms, but it's not. So it's pretty cool. And yeah, so obviously if people are ever interested to learn about our trainings, if they shoot us an email at ozrallypro at gmail.com, we'll be able to answer any questions they have. And look, we sometimes have people that are only gaming, but they want to understand pace notes while they're gaming better. So they'll come here and do training with us to understand, oh, when I watch your onboards, I want to understand what you're calling or when I'm gaming, I want to understand it. So sometimes it's a matter of people just wanting to learn more about the sport. Yeah, that's interesting because I I know there's a movie coming out where I don't remember what it's called, but my son and I went to go see the third Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and they had a they had a preview for a movie where this they had these gamers that are racing and they bring them out to like a track to actually drive with other professional drivers. And so the fact that you brought that up was interesting that you have gamers coming out there and wanting to learn more. That's kind of funny. But I mean, hey, you know, if you're if it's something that you're into and you want to come out and and learn more, it's a good way to do it. 
Yeah, and I mean, if you have if you're questioning how do I even get into rally, Oz Rally Pro is the perfect opportunity of you know coming and training with Alex and I one on one and and learning from us, and you can ask us directly any questions and. We cater the training specifically to your needs. So I think it's really cool for anyone that's interested. And what are your goals for Oz Rally Pro in like the next, in the coming years? Do you, do you can see yourself continuing to do what you're doing or are you wanting to expand and maybe open up other locations? What does it look like for the future? For us, it's always important. Alex and I always run the trainings. We've had a lot of people reach out to see if they could be Oz Rally Pro instructors, but we don't want that. We like the fact that it's our business and our training and our names and we are running the training. So obviously we can never get too big because it always relies on Alex and I being available and what we can do within our schedule. So for us, it's more about developing the sport, building the sport, growing the sport in many ways between Alex and I and our time frame that we have. So we love doing it. And it's something that's been really cool that we've been able to give back to a sport like we have. And we enjoy the fact that we can, you know, do it just in a way that it suits us, if that makes sense. So this weekend we're available, this weekend we're not. If we were having to employ other people and rely on their training methods and skills, you know, some people may come away disappointed and we would never want that. I'm a school teacher, trained school teacher, so... We know the skills that I have are something that I learned through going through four years of university and then being a school teacher for six years. So, you know, a lot of people, they may have rallied, but they don't have those training skills. So definitely the way we're doing it is working really well. We really enjoy it. And I think that we'll stick to what we're doing and and offer trainings whenever we can and, and try and, you know, if we're in Australia, New Zealand, America, wherever we are, try and offer classes when we can. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, of you are in control of it, you know, but because it's going to be important for you to know what the people are getting out of it, not just what you're teaching and how you're teaching, but how they go away from it, knowing that they're going to have good experience because the two of you are in control of it and you've been doing it for a while and you're confident in how you approach the material that you're teaching and then how you approach, you know, questions or, you know, any issues that may come up. So, yeah, it's it's a good point. 100%. And then we never, if there's ever bad feedback, which there hasn't been, touch wood in like 500 (laughs) students, but if there ever was from an instructor, then that would be really disappointing to us. Whereas we know what we deliver and the advice we give and the skills we have. So we never have to question that. And that's really important to the level that people get from Osrally Pro. Yeah. If Travis returns next year, which I mean, it sounds like he might since you said he just took the year off. Do you see yourself returning as his co-driver or would you think you would want to continue with Leah or does it just depend on what happens over the next course of this season and the start of next? Yeah, I mean, Trav has been messaging me like, you know, he's saying he's going to be back. But it's definitely a good question you asked because I think that initially I was just like, it's a year and that's what I'm doing and then I'll be back with Travis. But I think it's just going to be a matter of we have to see what happens with Leah and where she's going and what she wants to achieve and what her goals are. And if they fit with mine, it may be something that I I stay with Leah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few months, what opportunities come up. Like I mentioned, I want to get back to the world championship. So if that's something that she wants to do and we progress together, you know, it's definitely something that I would be interested in and keen to do. 
I know that Travis would only be racing in America in the national championships, so there wouldn't be international opportunities if I continue to work with Travis. Yes, winning rallies opportunities, <laughs> which is what I love. I love, but I always need to remember my big goal of being in the world championship and racing that. So definitely, it's only May right now. First, we have to see if Trav comes back, which I, I'm sure he will. And then number two, what Leah wants to do, is she going to stick to rally? Is she going to go to circuit? Is she going to, like what? She's only 16, you know, yeah. there's so many question, questions right now. So I'm, I'm really lucky that I have two really cool options and two really cool people that I, I have the opportunity to work with. And, and I'll just wait and see what happens as the year progresses. I can see how much you love your life then. <laughs> yeah, with, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's that's really good because you do have some really good options. It's like, and neither one of them are bad. You know, it's not like, mm, I don't really know about that one. It's like, I have these two choices. Both of them are really, really good, whichever one works out. And then, you know, kind of just follow the way the season, the way the universe takes you and just see how things unfold for her. Cause she's got a big career ahead of her being only 16 and, and to start off doing so well, that's that's really really yeah that's good exactly and i don't want to put any pressure on her i know that she loves circuit racing as well so it's just going to be a matter of you know she's 16 she's still got to finish school she's got a lot going on so i always know that you know travis and i are a great team leah and i are a great team and and i guess whatever way i go it's going to be amazing regardless yeah so you mentioned the Airbnb earlier and that there were students staying there while they were there at the class. Is the Airbnb open to anybody or is it only for students? No, anybody. Okay. Yep, anybody. Come come enjoy our little cottage in Horseshoe Bend. It's really cute. It's got a nice backyard and and it's in a quiet little town. And yep, No, so it's on Airbnb now. The first bookings can come I think it's on the 1st of June, so we just finished it. It's a, a little old cottage that we renovated and put hours of time and love into. Um, we've already had some people book privately through us, which were students and things like that. And then we've got, uh, I think, four or five Airbnb bookings so far. So, you know, apart, I have to block out when students are coming so other people can't yeah. book it. So it's, it's always interesting. But, yep, yeah, no, it's definitely it's another little project that Alex and I have just to make our life even more busy. <laughs> What made y'all decide to do an Airbnb? Oh, this gorgeous little old house come up for sale in, in Horseshoe Bend, which is, you know, only three miles down the road from us. And, and we decided that it would be really cool to, you know, buy it and, and renovate it together and learn and, and do something different. It, obviously, rally is everything. And it was just nice to have something different to do and a different challenge. We always like challenging ourselves, Alex and I, and, we learned so many things on YouTube of how to cut out old <laughs> windows and replace them and, and how to do so many cool things we've never done in our life. So there was many tears and fights and all those sort of things, but it's really cool little place now and we're really proud of it. And it was just something that we wanted to try for something different and we're really proud we have. And whether we own it 12 months and and we decide to sell it or whether we own it for a long time and we eventually live in it, who knows, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day right now, it's a little Airbnb and, and we're really excited. How long did it take y'all to put that together? Yeah, it. so we bought it in August and we have just got a couple more things to finish on it for it to be fully finished as far as just little staining projects and things like that. 
but it took us from August to May to get it ready for people to be able to stay in. So it's definitely been a big project. There was a lot of work to be done, probably a lot more than Alex and I realized when we purchased <laughs> it. It's a 1935 home oh. and when you go in it now, it's a brand new home. So we've done a lot of work and it's really cool. Yeah, I've seen it on Instagram. What's the Instagram handle? Uh, the Cottage HSB, I think the Cottage at Horseshoe Bend or something like that. Okay, yeah. Let, I've... Me, let me see. I can't even remember. I have too many Instagrams, <laughs> that means, doesn't it? It's like I have the cat Instagram. I have <laughs> our crazy cats, Garfield and Simba, Idaho is our cat's one. Cottage is the Cottage HSB, which is co the Cottage Horseshoe Bend is what it stands for. But yeah, so that's our little cottage on Instagram. And if you want to follow our crazy cats, Garfield and Simba, you can do that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's a it's a cute little place. Y'all did a really good job with it. Because I remember when you first started posting about it, that y'all were going to be working on it. And then, you know, just the, the progress of it. And it turned out really, really nice. So did y'all do all of the work on it yourselves? Or were there things that you couldn't do? Oh, I wish. <laughs> there was things we couldn't do. Yeah. So we had a contractor, Garrett, who's been amazing. He's been able to do so many things that we couldn't do, but he also was great in teaching us how to do things. So that's been really cool in the fact that he was patient enough that if we wanted to try and do things, he would help us learn how to do it. So one day I took out a double window and replaced it with a glass sliding door and I cut all the wood out and everything and then put this sliding door in with one of our friends. And I think he thought I was crazy. I was telling him that I got this door as a bargain at Horseshoe in um, Home Depot. And it was like we were worried it wasn't going to go in and all these sort of things. So it's been it's been a lot of fun, the challenges as well. Yeah, I mean, you're just getting started with it, but depending on how it goes, I mean, yeah, who knows where that could take you. You know, that's and it's always good to do something new and different. You know, you, you're constantly doing a lot of the same things over and over again. And it's just like, you know, if you're driving, take a different route to go somewhere yeah. that you're yeah. wanting to get to. Because like when I'm yeah. doing when I'm going somewhere and I'm using navigation, even if I'm going somewhere that I know, because a lot of times I put navigation on just to see how long it'll take me to get there. And if I don't have to be there at a specific time, if I'm just driving there, you know, they'll have like the like similar ETA and it's a different route. A lot of times I'll take the different route just to go drive somewhere different. And, and there's been times too, and my son and I will be driving and I'll take a wrong turn and I'm like, oh, I missed my turn. Crap. And then we end up seeing some really nice houses or like a, you know, big pond or a lake or something. And so doing something different and off the beaten path, as they say, you know, can open up some different opportunities. Yeah. Same for Alex and I, we do exactly the same. We, we love adventure and we love seeing different places. So we, we do exactly what you do and it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So I have a friend that he and his kids and his wife, when they would go out, cause they lived, they used to, it was when they lived in Flagstaff, I think, but sometimes they would just go out and go for a drive and they would each take turns saying, turn left or turn right up here, you know, or keep going straight. And so I always try to remember that whenever my son and I are going somewhere, we'll do that every once in a while. Just because it's, you know, if you're just out for a drive and you're wanting to do something different, it's a fun way to go see some some new places. Yeah, I like that. I've 
never heard of that but my family traveled a lot around australia growing up so i'll have to tell my um siblings that it, that have got kids and they travel around with them that, that that's a good game to play i like it yeah yeah it's fun so what do you foresee you and alex in the next few years to come in terms of like rally in your personal lives do you kind of have i mean uh, you have the big goal of wrc but do you have any other smaller goals or plans or you just try you just got kind of going with things and seeing where life takes you yeah i mean our life is pretty much year to year we as the season progresses you start to get different offers or opportunities come up and you decide what what things you think you'd enjoy doing and what things you don't want to do and alex is 15 now and with the loss of ken it's been really hard for him to continue rallying to be honest ken was such an important part in his rallying career so and with him being eight years older than me, and he did a lot of his WRC aspirations with Ken all those years ago in 2010 and 2011 when they were doing the full World Rally Championship those couple of years. So his future goals and aspirations are probably different to mine right now because we're eight years different in age and we have, you know, taken different career paths sort of things as far as he has done quite a lot in World Rally cars in the WRC, whereas my WRC experience has been more in the Junior World Rally Championship in R2 cars. So I think regardless of what happens, we both support each other and, and want each other to follow our dreams and goals. So whatever we'll be doing, it'll be in, in each other's support and and we'll be you know enjoying life as much as we can. Yeah, and having that support from your spouse and your partner is, that's like really, really important because you hear a lot of people that, don't have that support. You know, you have somebody that wants to go try something new or try something different and they don't have the support from their partner or family or friends, you know, so having support like that is just, it's huge. It's, it's, I mean, it's good for any relationship you're in, but especially in your partnership with somebody that's a big, it's a big deal because if you have something that you really want to achieve and you're getting pushback from it, then that just, it like can kind of crush your dreams and dampen your spirit and, you know, bring you down and, and like make you take a different course of action that you didn't really want to take because the other route is not supported. So that's really nice to hear that, that y'all support each other so much like that. Yeah, we're really lucky and we're lucky that we have the same passion. So it makes life very easy. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for your time. I know we've got a, we've got a lot of stuff in there, a lot of questions and a lot of information. And uh, I know you want to get out and enjoy your evening with Alex. So it's uh, you came off of a, a big weekend, a successful weekend, and you've got some big races coming up. How long does the season go on for? Our last American round is Alice PR and Alice PR is in October. I was getting, I was just thinking then because I've got an Australian round in November. So the American Championship will finish in October, but okay. the Australian Rally Championship finishes in November. So, so I will still be racing in November and maybe December if other opportunities come up for me. Okay. So obviously I'm a contractor, so I can do whatever races I want to do really. When I was with Travis, it was different because Subaru USA, Subaru Motorsport USA had me contracted directly to them. Whereas right now I'm a, an individual contractor, so I can virtually jump in and do whatever races I want to. So if any opportunities come up after October, November, my final rounds with Leah and Gandhi in December or January, I got offered to do Dakar, but I've actually turned it down because I don't have 
enough opportunities this year to do more training. I got two offers actually, which is pretty insane. Dakar is an incredible, you know, event, but it's not something I'm really ready for yet. It's something that I would need to put a lot of my heart and soul into and a lot of training and training. And I don't know what happened to the rest of the audio. This has only happened maybe two other times where I've been recording and GarageBand just stops or somehow I accidentally hit a button that stops the recording and I didn't notice because I have such a small screen and I've got the window open with my questions. I've got Zoom and then I try to have GarageBand in the background where I can see the timer going and I guess something happened. I just didn't see it. But shortly after she was talking about that, maybe a minute or less, we I said thank you and we said our goodnights and our goodbyes. So you didn't really miss anything. I didn't really miss anything, thankfully. So the bulk of the conversation was everything before this. And I got in all the questions that I wanted and we had some really great conversation. But I want to say thank you again so much, Rhiannon, for being on the podcast again for a third time. I really, really appreciate it. Appreciate your time because I know you're so busy. And congratulations again to you and Leah for a great start to the season. We all look forward to following you through the rest of the season and watching those races. So if you're not doing so already, follow Rihanna and Gelsimino on Instagram. It's just her name all together, Rihanna and Gelsimino. You can also go follow Leah Block, that's L-I-A. And then you can follow her or you can follow Rihanna's Airbnb page, which is The Cottage HSB. So go give that a follow. Also give Ali Pro a follow, which is the school that she and Alex use for co-driver training. So thanks again. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Thank you for always sharing and thank you for your support. I hope you all have a great week and I hope you are enjoying your Memorial Day if you are listening to this today. Thank you all so much. Thank you.